0: The today's scripture is Matthew 6, the verse 1 to 4. Giving to the needy. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give it to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, All right, well, for me, let me just say welcome. Glad to have you here today. I know it's a a nice day outside, but uh, some great things happening in here as well. So I'm glad that you decided to join us for the services this evening. Uh, We're continuing in our series from the Mount. So that's where that passage comes from. And let me me just adjust that a little bit higher there. Let me just start by asking you all, if you ever, or preferably through as we've gone through this series, have you read through the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, Nobody. Okay. Great. Great. Like three. Great. Four or five. All right. Some of you are like waking up. Oh, Oh. yeah. Good. It's good to read through it. I want to encourage you to do that. I know if you're just joining us, we're in the Sermon on the Mount (laughs) and we're going uh, through the whole sermon pretty slowly. We've been, we broke it up a few times, but Making our way through. Uh, We'll hopefully finish a little bit after Easter, maybe by the end of May. Uh, It goes from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, and I do encourage you to read it. It's probably an afternoon of YouTube videos uh, if you cut some of that you'd have plenty of time to read it, I promise. It's not that much text. Uh, Although it's a lot of, there's a lot of density to it. There's a lot there and it's it's good to kind of be reading it to keep in mind what we're going through. We're about halfway and uh, as we're kind of making this transition into chapter 6, I think it's good to kind of keep that in mind and Keep in mind where we're heading, because what we're gonna be heading into in this, again, incredibly powerful and impactful sermon that Jesus gives to his disciples, which includes us who follow Christ today, uh, the words of this sermon should be taken to heart. It should be something that we allow to sink deep into our hearts. And so I, I want to kind of, again, encourage you to read it, because also Jesus is constantly building on what he's already said. So as we're going through it, it's good to be having the big perspective in mind. Uh, if you just took uh, five minutes from one of my sermons uh, in the middle, it might be a little bit hard to understand what he, I'm talking about. So we want to keep in mind that this is a sermon. It's, it's, it's one message that we want to keep uh, the context in mind. Um, each section really connects essentially as it builds into the next, uh, building this kind of foundation, going all the way back to the very beginning. So as we kind of keep that context of the her- of the sermon as a whole in mind, uh, and as we begin to kind of step into this new section, let me remind you of just a few key, key points. We're not going to go into the details of it. Uh, you can go home and hopefully read through the sermon if you haven't you didn't raise your hand, Uh, and kind of to keep that whole perspective in mind. But let me just go through a few key points of what he's going to be building on in this next section that I think is important. We won't do this every week, I promise, Uh, but there is a big transition here into chapter six. So the first thing, we have to remember the sermon begins, and I talk about this a lot, and I will emphasize it a lot. It's absolutely essential. It begins with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes its a list of the character traits of the regenerate Christian, the one who belongs to Christ, the one who has a transformed, renewed heart that's been placed within them by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a foundation of the sermon. Nobody can be those character traits or have those character traits displayed in their life if that is not true. It's a great list. I'm not going to go through it in detail. But it depicts all of these blessings that we receive in each of the character traits that should be represented in our life. And that list, just quickly, is... Uh, just the list of the character traits themselves is to be poor in spirit, which is to be kind of broken in our in our sinfulness and to mourn and to specifically to mourn over our sin, to be meek to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be peacemakers. And all these things, he kind of brings it to this head with that we will then be called children of God. This is the greatest blessing in our identity as children of God. And again, there's no hope, there's no hope for anyone to live by the standard that Jesus is laying before us throughout the Sermon on the Mount if we do not belong to the kingdom of God, if we are not children of God first and foremost. And so we have to always come back to that foundation he lays right at the beginning of the sermon. The second thing he kind of goes into is this little section where he talks about being ready to be persecuted for what we believe in, to stand for what we believe in at all costs, and just the blessing that we actually get in that. And then we should be a salt and a light in this world. This is important. We'll kind of come back to this from what we're looking at today. And then with the third kind of section we've looked at in chapter 5 is this longer section we've been working our way through fairly slowly over the last few weeks, and that is that Jesus is not, has not come to abolish the law of the Old Testament law of God, but to fulfill it is the statement he gives us. And then he goes into six examples, six statements, the you have heard, but I tell you statements uh, where he is correcting misunderstandings and misrepresentations that the teachers of the law were giving about the law of God. And he brings it into a little bit closer. Famous ones are, you know, you have heard, do not commit adultery, but I say, if you lust, you've already done it. If you, you've heard that we shouldn't, that we should even, that you should love your uh, enemy or your neighbor, but hate your enemy, But I say we should pray for our enemies. We looked at that last week. And so it's a powerful section where Jesus is making some big statements. And that brings us then to where we left off last week. For those of you who were here, you might remember. Uh, And he leaves us with this just powerful and yet humbling command in the final words of chapter five, which is that we are to be, anybody remember? We are to be perfect. Yes, We learned that Antonia is already there, but the rest of us are aspiring. You, you raised your hand. uh, You don't have to keep poking at you on that. We are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And this next section is going to build on this command as well. We're called to be perfect because our Father is perfect. We're called to be like Him. Now we will fail, yes. We will fail at this, we will fall short. But as we are continually dying to ourselves and surrendering our life to Christ every day as we walk with Him, then His perfection, His righteousness, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us through faith by grace. And this section is going to be built on everything that we've looked at so far. We need to understand who we are we need to know who our father is and I emphasize this because this next section all through chapter 6 especially uh, we begin to see the use of father in every section he's in fact every section is going to come back to this identity of who we are as as children of God who our father is and how we relate to him in this world there's a change in the perspective And the mentality of how we see ourselves how we see god as our father and how that should affect how we live here today in this world and that's kind of where we're heading into now it's really getting into the practical so let me remind you again that we have been given new names as children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We belong to a different kingdom. And so we should be living our life in this world as citizens of that kingdom to come, as children of God, as children of our true Father. Keeping in mind that we do also still live in this world. We live in this world and so we still have a flesh that needs to be battled. We have worries and doubts that we need to overcome. We have insecurities we need to surrender. This is the reality, and these are some of the things he's going to be dealing with. Through chapter 6, Jesus is going to address, right here at the, the first sections, are going to be Jesus addressing our spiritual disciplines. And that's what we're looking at today. He looks at giving, and then praying, and then fasting. And then he's going to go into perspectives on money, and fears, and worries, and doubts about the future, and how we should deal with them. Because he knows that we still live in this world, he knows we're still going to struggle with those things, so he's going to give us some direction on how to practically go through them and and give us practical examples on how we should and also how we shouldn't live as children of God in this world. Sound pretty good? You guys ready for that? Ready for chapter six? All right. I am. I'm excited. I hope you are too. It's exciting to get into God's Word, right? It's good to be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as it breathes into us when we look at His Word together. So let's really be excited. Not just joking, but really, it's something to get excited about. Verse 1, chapter 6, begins with a warning, a powerful, potent warning for us as Christians today. Let me read it again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now this warning is going to set the stage for the following three sections, the following three examples. And within these three examples he's going to go into, we always have to come back to that because that is the application. That's, he's making this point, this warning, and then he's going to go through three spiritual disciplines of the Christian life and how we need to be cautious and careful in how we approach it when it comes to our giving, which we'll look at today, when you pray, and when you fast, which we actually already looked at a few weeks ago. So we're jumping a little bit all, all over the place. That's why we have, really have to keep reading through the whole sermon. Keep in mind where we're at. Now, before we get to the example of when we give or when you give, as he starts it, starts it off in his thought, Let's consider the warning in general, right? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, wait a minute, we might ask, I thought we're supposed to be the light of the world. How can I be a light if nobody can see what I'm doing? It's a bit confusing, feels a bit counterintuitive. I thought we were supposed to, that the world should see our good deeds so that they can glorify God. I thought we are supposed to represent Christ to the world. And how do we do that if we're in hiding all the time? How does that work if everything is in secret? Well, first, let's look at what this warning is telling us. So, so what does it mean, first of all, to practice righteousness? What does it mean to practice Righteousness. Jesus is going to give us these three examples of what that looks like when it comes to practicing righteousness. This is our spiritual disciplines in how we give, how we pray, and how we fast. So our righteousness in general, we look, when we talk about that word righteousness and our righteousness, it comes down to our right standing before God, that I am right in right standing before God. That is what qualifies me as righteousness. And that, of course, is only because I am a child of God because you are a child of God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, when we practice our righteousness, when we're acting that out, we're practicing our righteousness, it is our obedience to Jesus Christ. It is our obedience to Jesus Christ and our response to the grace and love that has been poured into us that we have received through our relationship with Christ. So we're made right through Christ, And so when we are acting out our righteousness through giving, through prayer, through fasting, it is an obedience and it is out of a response of the grace and love we've received when done as righteousness. There's nothing wrong, of course, with others seeing our obedience to the Lord in itself. There's nothing wrong with people seeing it. This can be valuable. It can be an honorable thing as a means by which God uses to show others his own character through us. We are supposed to be the light of the world, but we must be so careful. Be careful, Jesus is telling us. Check your heart when you're doing good deeds in front of others, and check your heart regularly for your motives, because if our true desire is ultimately just that others would see what we do, praise us, be impressed by us, look at us in the way that we want to be seen by them, then that is the only reward you will gain. That is the warning, and that should scare us. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I certainly want to live a righteous life. I would hope that everyone here who is a follower of Christ, has this desire, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, to live a righteous life. And I know also that I have a flesh that I have to battle, as I believe all of you do as well. And there will always be these times, these temptations of pride when it comes to how others see us, because the world values this so much, and that's the world we live in, and how we're seen, how we're perceived by others, and this can then tie into how I give, how I serve, how I pray, how I fast. It can sneak into the way that I do those things that I would be seen a certain way. The bottom line is Jesus gives us this stern warning because he knows every single one of us in one way or another we'll be tempted with this in this world. So I say, be careful, be cautious. It's a pretty thin line we have to look out for. It's a pretty thin line we have to look out for. But I believe the solution actually is simple and we'll hopefully unpack that by the end of this message today. But it is also a fight. It is a fight. We have to die to ourselves. Destroying pride is never easy in itself. It's a fight, but it's a fight that we can win when we belong. Christ. So let's look at what he tells us here. Jesus begins with the negative. We're talking about giving now. He begins with the negative. To help us to understand the right way to give, let's consider how he tells us not to do it. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. I think it's important to expand on this definition of when you give, especially when we look at when you give to the needy, Uh, because at the time, giving to the poor especially was this kind of like pinnacle of a display of piety. It was this image of piety, and I think this is why Jesus gives this specific example when it comes to giving. But for us today... I mean, we should give, and I think there's certainly an element of that when it comes to our finances, but for us today, this can be applied to anything that we give as an act of righteousness. Anything that we do where we're giving as an act of righteousness. Ultimately, coming down to how we serve Jesus in the way we serve others. How we serve Jesus in the way that we serve others. This can mean giving financially, giving your time, serving others, serving in your church, serving in your community, anything that we do when we are giving something of ourselves, right? So let's just bring it to that kind of uh, floor, I think, when it under, when, and how we understand it and how we apply it to our lives, right? Any good deed we do, ultimately giving of ourselves Jesus begins with this negative example, telling them don't, or telling us, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Now that word hypocrite is actually connected with uh, Greek actors who wore different types of masks in order to play various roles. And Jesus criticizes the teachers of the law, calling them hypocrites, you hypocrites. They were putting on a show for others. They were wearing a mask to hide their true motives. Now, I want to be clear here. In all the research I did, there's not really any evidence to show that they were literally sounding trumpets as they would give. If, I feel like Jesus sometimes is a, you know, goes a little bit extreme to paint a picture for us. Uh, you know, that would be a bit ridiculous. There, may, there might be some connection to that in, in actual soundings of music of some cor- sort, but uh, I think every time they gave to the poor or every time they gave in the synagogue, I don't think they were literally uh, having a trumpeter go ahead of them. Uh, maybe we'll try that here someday just to see how it looks. I'll have the offering bucket up here and you guys can have trumpets be sounded as you come to give louder if you uh, give more. No, I believe Jesus is painting a picture for us of the absurdity of it. When these hypocrites of whom Jesus speaks wanted to give, they probably picked a time when most people would be on the streets, when most people would be around, and maybe people who had influence. They picked their times wisely, maybe made sure that they were noticed in one way or another. Perhaps they even made a little bit of a scene as they performed this great act of righteousness, perhaps with some false humility. I think everybody knew what they were talking about or knew what Jesus was talking about when he said this. They're like, yeah, they need to be seen. They wanted to be seen, and I think it was obvious. And I don't want to point any fingers, so I'm not going to, but I think we all know that there are those people we know who seem to absolutely have. Half- to let us know on social media about all the good things that they've done in the world. And just and sometimes in a with a false sense of humility, sneaking in those kind of nuanced comments to tell people that they did a good thing, but acting like they're humble about it. Again, nobody in this room, I'm sure. But we, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, yeah. Here's where we need to start to be careful about our hearts. We need to be careful about our hearts. Is there any part of me that just needs others to know what I've done? I need it, I need them to know. Ideally, I want them to know, but not know that I need them to know, that's the best. I want them to notice without me having to tell them, that's even better but I I really want people to notice that I did something good. I want people to notice how I serve, how I give, how I do good. Am I doing this for myself? Or do I simply want to do good? Do I simply want to live righteous? Do I simply want to be about my father's business? Jesus warns, or Jesus' warning has a real consequence. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, receiving the reward in full, this is also a term that could be uh, applied legally when a debt had been fully paid. And the implication here is clear that there is no other reward coming. That's it, paid in full, complete. Now he's not saying that it's not necessarily, it's, hey, it's still good maybe that they gave but I hope they realize when they do it for other people to see them, they got their full reward. (laughs) When it comes to simply seeking the praise and adoration of others, it doesn't matter how good the deed was, how great an impact it might have have, have had, their full reward has been paid. Because they didn't do it to glorify God. They really did it for themselves. They did it for themselves. And God's not impressed. God's not impressed by the, even no matter what we do, God's not impressed at our greatness when we do it just to be seen. All we get is that nice feeling of being seen as we would like to be seen. Our ego gets fed a little bit, and we feel maybe a little bit better about ourselves for a while. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not very much. It's not very much. I think we all know it's better to be blessed by God. It's better to receive His reward. And I want to be clear, it's okay to want His reward. Sometimes there's this idea that we shouldn't want anything. We shouldn't want any reward. I don't know. I just want to do it with... Comp- and so I want to please my Father. I want to live for Him. I want to live like Him. It's a good thing. It's better to be blessed by God than to simply get the adoration of others. Maybe the question is, how do we know? How do we know? How do we judge our own motive? How do we walk the line between being the light of the world, as we're called to do, and yet at the same time never doing it for the sake of being seen. How do we find that line? And I'm going be honest, not easily. Because we're, pride is something so ingrained in our human nature. Not easily. So let's look at the positive side of giving if you want to call it that, as Jesus puts it in verse 3. But when you give to the needy, so when you do it, when you're giving, when you're serving, when you're doing a good thing, when you're living out that righteous act in obedience to Christ, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. What does he mean here? I mean, obviously, obviously. I'm I'm not likely to physically forget what I've done. You know, I don't like walk around the block and give to the poor and then forget that I did it and then give again. So I'm like, oh, where'd all my money go? I don't know. I've had it. I have no memory of it. It's not what he's saying. It's not literally just that we would physically and absurdly forget what we've done. So what is he saying? Well, it's down to finding that line in the subtleties of our heart of as always it comes back to a heart issue what we really desire what we really long for the point is Jesus is not saying hey make sure everything you do is in secret that nobody ever knows what you've done hit yourself in the head every time you do something good so that you even forget it that's not what he's saying he's warning us to be careful he's warning us to be careful that our motive is not to be seen by others that's a huge difference. In fact, we should care so little, we should care so little about being seen by others that we make no note of it for ourselves. That we make no note of it for ourselves. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's not about trying to avoid others seeing our actions, that we should be running around in secret when we're doing anything at all when it comes to serving or giving, but that we should pay no attention to the good deeds we do. We should keep no record. We should keep no record. And this, I believe, is only possible for a Christian. It's really only possible for a Christian. No matter how... Someone looks on the outside, no matter how good their life is or how many good deeds they've done in, human, in, in our human nature, apart from the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to live a truly selfless life. It's impossible for anyone to live a truly selfless life. And I know people who do a lot of really good deeds, I tell you, when, when, when the pressure starts to get on and people start to really stress, that's when you hear people say things like, but I've lived such a good life, but I've done so many good things. Ah, but then they've been keeping that record. They've been keeping it, they've been checking it twice. And it's this sense of earning something or to be seen by others. Either way, that's your reward. See, as a Christian, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need Jesus Christ and that my righteousness, what makes me right before God, what makes me worthy is not me because my attempts to be good, my, all my attempts to do good in this world are like filthy trash, Paul says. My righteousness what makes me in right standing before God is Jesus Christ and Him alone. So why should I need to be seen by anyone but my Father? It doesn't really matter to me. I know who I am. I know that I, I know my worths. And I have nothing to offer except what Christ has put within me to offer. I'm reliant on Him. He is my strength. Through Him, I can do all things. Apart from Him, my works are dead. I need to rely on that grace. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. This is what should be our aim when it comes to this idea of walking that line, again, between how am I supposed to be the light of the world and yet not do things in order to be seen by others? But I'll tell you, it's, it's work to get there. Even if no one sees what you've done, we may still be guilty of a wrong motive. We have to be careful. We have to check our heart. Let me give you an example. Let's say you see someone on Instagram on Facebook, and they've posted about their good deeds, maybe a little self-righteously, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that. When I do good things, I don't need anyone else to know about it. Pride. That's pride. It's a wrong motive. It's keeping a record. It's seeing yourself not as you really are, which is a sinner in need of a savior, but as somebody who can earn something of, and earn the respect, earn your right standing before God through your righteous acts. This was the same sin that the Pharisees were guilty of and why Jesus condemns them so harshly. Their great sin was to look at others and look at themselves and think, at least I'm not like them At least I'm not like them. When I do good things, I don't need others to see it. At least I'm not like them, which is to miss the point of the gift of grace entirely. Let me read a quote from Spurgeon. It says, Keep the thing, in topic here, keep the thing so secret that even you yourself are hardly aware that you are doing anything at all praiseworthy. Let me say that again. Keep the thing so secret that even you yourself are hardly aware that you are doing anything at all praiseworthy. The quote goes on. Let God be present. Let God be present, and you will have enough of an audience. Let God be present and you will have enough of an audience. Is God present in your life? Verse four, again, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The truth is we're created with a deep desire to be pleasing in the eyes of our father. It's in our DNA. It's written into our hearts in in our human nature. Because we're created by God. And this is the root of why we seek adoration from others. But we're looking in the wrong place. It will never satisfy. That satisfaction comes through our relationship with God, our Father. And what would you really prefer? For others to see your good deeds, to pat you on the back tell you what a great person you are, or maybe to give yourself a pat on the back and tell yourself what a great person you are and to go to bed feeling really pleased with yourself or to know that one day you will stand before your heavenly father and with a smile on his face, he will look upon you with those and give you those wonderful words, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You did well. You did it for me. You did it with me. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That should be our goal. The reality of this is that God is ever present in our life. God is ever present in our life. And so we should live like it. We should live like it. It is true, but we often don't live like it is, do we? That God is ever present in our life. Here's another quote. We should ever remember that the eye of the Lord is upon us and that he sees not only the act, but also every motive that led to it. He knows what you're doing. He knows why you're doing it. You can't lie to him, so don't lie to yourself. Check your heart. How do we know when it's okay then? For others to see what we're doing and we're not how do I navigate is you know okay if I'm giving should I like make sure no one's around and like how do I know when, when do I know when to do what and how do I navigate this well I would ask or I would I would argue that if you're asking those kinds of questions you're asking the wrong question your heart is already not in the right place it's the wrong perspective look to your father Look to your father. Feel his love in your life and seek to honor him in everything you do. Do all that you do to the glory of God. Do everything you do for the joy of your father, that he would find joy in all that you do, knowing that he knows not only what you do, but why you're doing it. Then it will never make any difference whether anyone sees your good deeds or not. You won't care. It will fall off you like I don't know, something that falls off you. Sorry, I lost my analogy there. It won't stick to you. It won't matter to you. Not for anyone else to see you, but not even for yourself. You will never feel a need to keep a record of all the good deeds that you've done as long as he is who you're living for. As long as he is the one that you're serving. He is the one you're doing life with. You know there's this golden age for children that both of my children are kind of in right now that I'm really enjoying Uh, I know it won't last forever uh, where basically I'm like a superhero I don't know if you knew that Um, part-time superhero at home and uh, I I feel for the day that they realize that's not true and for myself because I'm not I'm not perfect but for now when they do something especially when they do something they know that they that they did right that they did something obedient, they did something well. They're so excited to point it out to me. Papa, look, I did it! They're so excited to share it with me and I'm so excited to celebrate it with them. And I can tell you, I'm not a perfect father. But if I'm able to love my children and to celebrate their obedience, how much more your heavenly Father? Live for that. Live for that. And it won't matter if anyone sees you or not. Who cares? I did it for Him. I want Him to see me. That's all that matters. Live your life knowing that He's always with you. Do all that you do, not only for Him, but with Him. Do everything for Him and with him he's there he's with you soften your hearts to the presence of God in your life soften your hearts to the presence of God in your life and you will be able to easily forget your own good deeds and when we really soften our hearts this is not my notes but when we really soften our hearts to the presence of God we have such joy and peace in his presence None of that matters how other people see us. People, you might do something really great, get, do a great deed, and, and maybe people look at it, see it differently, and see it wrongfully. You don't even need to correct them. It doesn't matter. That's not where your joy, that's not where your strength comes from. It's found in the presence of your Father. When we really live this way, the irony, though, is that people will notice. They'll notice something different about you. And you won't be able to hide that. People will see your good deeds, but they'll also see your humility and that you don't really care for praise. You don't care for adoration. That it doesn't matter to you. That you don't see yourself as great because of what you've done. Your greatness is found in the way your Father looks at you with love. And that's a strength that is attractive to the world because they're looking for it and they won't find it. We have it if we choose to soften our hearts to the presence of God in our life. Others will see, begin to see your Father, His character, His love, His compassion and kindness in you. They will see you imitating your Father being about your Father's business. And they will want to glorify Him, ultimately. To sum up, I believe it's important to seek to have the right perspective on this. To not get caught up in the subtleties of every situation and every action, but to be thinking big picture, thinking about where our heart is, thinking about what our motive is, and thinking who we're doing it for and who we're doing it with Ask yourself, do I need need others to recognize how hard I work, how much I give, all that I do? Do I find myself judging others who seem to need to be seen for their good deeds? Do I quickly think of myself as greater, as holier than other people around me? And which leads me to feeling better about myself. If you have a yes to any of these questions, I would encourage you to take time today and repent. Take time today and repent. Pride is a dangerous, dangerous sin that swallows us up if we're not careful. If you have any trace of it, repent, surrender it to God. Tell Him that you don't want to live that way. You don't want to serve yourself. You want to serve Him. And I know that I've had to repent of this many, many times in my life, and I'm sure that I probably will again. We live in this world, and this world values status. It values how we are seen by others very much. As Christians, as children of God, the only status that we really need to value is our status as sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, and the more you find rest in this truth the easier it will be to navigate your life so that you are not focused on yourself or the praise of others or this need to pat yourself on the back. Your Father's love will be your greatest desire. Your Father's love will be your greatest desire. So fix your eyes upward toward Him, seek His reward, and everything else will seem pretty insignificant in comparison. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer as the band comes back up as we prepare to worship. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you call us sons and daughters, that you transform us, that you work in us. Father, I know that it's very likely that there are some here today that struggle with this or may watching this later online. I know that I've struggled with it. Father, we want to surrender it to you. We want you to be our all. We want your love to be our greatest desire. And we want to let all of the need to be seen a certain way, the need to be admired or loved a certain way, or the need to keep a record and pat ourselves on the back, we want that all to fall away, to melt, as we remember that we are sinners in need of a savior and it is in you and you alone We are made righteous. Let our works, let our lives reflect this. In Jesus' name, amen.